The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. For some reason, I just I was into that song. I was feeling it. Everyone prays. Even people who don't believe in God pray. They pray to God. You ever heard the phrase, uh, there are no atheists in foxholes? Well, it's a phrase which basically means when you're in trouble and your life is on the line, it doesn't matter whether you believe in God or not, you're going to pray. And in desperation, when you have no one else to turn to and nowhere else to turn, even if you're not sure there is a God or you don't believe in God at all, you're going to turn to God when you feel in trouble. And uh, so for me personally, and I think a lot of you can relate to this, you know, as we're kicking off football season, you've had moments, maybe it was this weekend when your football team was getting way too close to losing, and you're whispering prayers to God, God help that guy make that play, come on, make the stop at the, you know, at the line, right? And like, we, we pray these I don't want to say silly, don't boo me, but you know, like we do that, right? Like maybe you play golf and you, you hit the putt and you're like, God, go, 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 go. God, please, please, please. And then it misses. And you're like, oh, God, you failed me, you know? But uh, you know, we do that, right? They're like these really like, in the moment they feel legit, but afterward you're like, I can't believe I even pretended like that was a prayer. And I, I had a few of these, again, some of you know, like we're recently back from sabbatical where I took uh, some time off with my family. And so I've been sharing stories about that over the last, several, last couple of weeks. Um, so we drove some pretty crazy roads. I mean, of course, if you're driving 7,700 miles in a road trip, did a total of 8,500 miles on the road, which as you can imagine. That doesn't sound like much of a vacation, does it? We spent most of our time behind the wheel. Uh, As I've shared, I'm not a big fan of heights, and I especially don't like heights in a car with all of us in it and this car carrier on top like hitting wind and stuff. And so like we, would, we would drove some like really crazy roads. Like if you've ever driven through Zion National Park, like it has hairpin turns, switchbacking all the way down the cliff. And for me personally, all I can do the whole time I'm driving is imagine our minivan rolling off of that, tumbling down the mountain. Or we drove this road called Trail Ridge, the highest paved regular road in the United States of America. Now, when I said it, you think that's a bad idea? I agree. We had to drive this thing three times. It's horrible. And literally, because it's a national park, they don't have any guardrails. They don't have any rock walls. It's just you and the road and then a cliff and then sudden death. And for me, the whole time I'm driving, we're gonna die. Our car's gonna go off the edge. Like, and then I'm thinking the worst thing is like, we're gonna survive. And so I'm praying, God, please, God, help me, God, help me. And I'm driving and I'm, I'm praying quietly to myself because I don't want to put my family in a panic, but that wasn't necessary because they were already in a panic. I'm telling you, I actually got blisters on my hands for how tight I was holding the steering wheel. Seriously, I'm not exaggerating this. They actually just recently, like, kind of like slowly, like wearing off. Um, here's the, I think, unfortunately, we pray those kind of prayers, kind of desperate prayers. And I would imagine there are a lot of you that you've prayed the kind of prayers that are more like wishes and hopes, so that even if God answered them, you would respond something like this 
I can't believe that. Like if you made the putt, you'd be like, oh, I can't believe I made that putt. Even though you were praying that God would get in the hole. If you survive the road, you get down, you're like, I can't believe we did that. That was insane. And your wife is probably hitting you going, that was really stupid. Why did we do that? And you're agreeing, that was really stupid of us. But the point is, like, I think we pray a lot of prayers that when God actually answers, we don't even realize he answered. We don't give him any credit because we didn't actually pray believing he was going to answer. We were just kind of throwing wishful hopes up to, a, up to heaven, hope, you know, believing maybe, I don't know. And then when it happens, we say, I can't believe it. In fact, I think too often our prayers are empty words being lifted to what we believe is an empty heaven. Because I think most of the time we don't actually pray believing that God hears and that there is a God that cares and bears our burdens and our weight. And so as a result, we spend most of our time, even for those of us that do believe in God, we pray and don't react too strongly. Those of you online, you know, we are a little bit distant from me, so you can't see my, well, maybe if you're on the, you see me on the big screen, you can see my facial expression. I don't want you to misunderstand, but so much of our prayers, so many of our prayers are these small prayers. I don't mean that they're not important to God, but I mean most of them are like only about our lives and the people we love, right? We spend a lot of our time praying about like our health, others' health, our, our sickness, our healing, their sickness, their healing, our finances, their finances, right? And they're going through a difficult time. We pray for them. I'm going through a difficult time. I pray for me. And I'm not saying that's bad, but I would say think about the list of the most recent things you've prayed, you either prayed, not really believing God was going to answer it, and the things you did believe God would answer, they were probably very close, dear to you, but they were also probably very small, meaning only really including your personal life and those closest to you. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying that's just our reality. And, and so there's this challenge. Do, do we even know how to pray? Do we pray things that matter? That if God actually heard our prayer and he responded, would we even know it? And do we pray the kind of prayers that if God heard and responded and we knew it, that those prayers would actually make a difference? And so I want to bring you back to an ancient time with some people that just prayed differently. You interested? Well, I think you might be curious too about the background of it. So let me put it in context. Imagine a doctor a well-respected doctor, a physician, who spends his time dealing with very sick people, sick people that are probably whispering desperate prayers. And uh, in his culture, they, they believed in many gods, but also thought that most of these gods were just myths and legends. And so the people, even in their prayers, it, empty words to an empty heaven. And this doctor who spends his time dealing with sick and the dying hears about people who love Jesus. And when he starts interacting with them, he becomes not just curious, but compelled to learn more about the person of Jesus. And so he spends a significant amount of time investigating the life of Jesus and those who personally knew Jesus. This guy, Luke, became so convinced that Jesus is who he said he was that he becomes a devout follower of Jesus. In fact, he writes out an account of the life of Jesus called the Gospel According to Luke. 
But he also writes a second volume called the Book of Acts, which is an account of the people in the early church who followed Jesus. And so he tries to write out not just a historical account, but a compelling account of what it was like to be there. And, in, and so I'm going to put it in context for you because we're going to jump into a moment where they pray. But before I can get there, get you there, um, I got to put it in context for you. And so the context is the church has just begun. Jesus died, he rose again, he ascended to heaven, he told those that loved him and were following him to wait. He said, I'm leaving, but then I'm going to come back to you, but I'm not going to come the way I've been with you, which was a physical person. I'm going to come to you as a spirit, and I'm going to come into you, not just be with you. And so they were all in a prayer meeting, and something supernatural happened. It looked like fire, but it was actually God's spirit that entered them and transformed them. Well, from that moment, the church breaks out. On that very day, 3,000 new people believe in Jesus and immediately become part of the church. Well, as you can imagine, there's other religions in that community, in that region, the city of Jerusalem, and they get envious and jealous, and so they attack the church, and a persecution breaks out. They, they arrest some of those that follow Jesus. And after they arrested them, they threatened them. Don't tell anyone else about Jesus. And this is the next moment that Luke records. So let's jump in. It's found in the book of Acts, chapter four, starting in verse 23, where it says, being let go, so you got the picture, right? They get dragged before a political and a religious court. They get threatened with their life not to talk about Jesus anymore. I'm being let go. They went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Okay, so if we pause right there, I want, to put, I want you to imagine yourself, uh, you're at work or at school, and those in authority over you say, stop it, don't talk about Jesus anymore. I don't care if it's in the workplace, I don't care if it's in the cafeteria, I don't care if it's in your private time, we don't want to hear about Jesus, or you're going to lose your job, you're going to get kicked out of school, you're going to lose a scholarship, whatever it is. That's kind of what they're going through here, oh, and worse, because their life is on the line. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord, meaning all of them unified together, they're praying the same thing. So now you've got to wonder, what are they praying? You with me? Seems like a legit question. How might they pray? And so here it is. Here's their, the beginning of their prayer. Lord, I think. I see it up there, but I, okay, here we go. Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. I love it. You know what they didn't do? They didn't start to build an army. They didn't lead a political revolution. They didn't jump on social media and start being like the elders and the high priests. They're horrible. We, we, we want to, man, tear that down, destroy. They didn't do that. They didn't build a plot against the, the, the political leaders. They didn't try to overthrow the religion. They, they didn't start spreading words of gossip. They didn't turn against them. You know what they did? They gathered together and with one voice, they began to pray. To God, to the God they knew, heard, and would respond. When you pray, how do you pray? And is it your last resort of desperation or your first response to every situation and crisis? And so what I want to challenge you with is this. Do we pray dangerous prayers? 
Like, what's up, danger, right? Like, do we pray the kind of prayers that actually feel when they're coming out of our mouth, they feel dangerous, they feel a little risky? Well, here's what I want to challenge you with. If I had to give you a takeaway from that moment in history, there's a key. This group of people, this early church, these guys that were arrested and threatened, they go back to their friends and they begin to pray, and they prayed actually believing that God heard. And your takeaway, my challenge for you, you know what would change your life? If you and I begin to pray, believing God actually hears. Such a difference in how you and I pray when we pray believing that God actually hears. Because so many times we pray just empty words thrown at an empty heaven. But we pray different. And differently, when we believe that God actually hears us when we pray. So why so often do we pray not believing that God actually hears? Well, it's because there is a fundamental flaw in every one of us that separates us from relationship with God. Separates us from believing that God hears when we pray. I start out by saying, everyone prays, even those who don't believe in God. So why is it that they pray but don't believe that God hears? Well, because you and I have this fundamental flaw that has separated us from relationship with God, and it is called sin. Sin is not in our mind. It's not in our emotions. Although it affects our mind and our emotions, sin is not in our physical bodies, although it has symptoms in our physical bodies. Sin is a spiritual problem, and it's not just something you and I do. Meaning you made a wrong decision. You, you disobeyed something that you know is in the Bible. You, you made a wrong decision, right? That's not sin. I mean, it is sin, but that's not the point of sin. Sin is that we believe the lie that God is not for us and he doesn't have what's best for us. And so sin drives us away from God. We turn our back on God and we live our lives headed in a wrong direction, pursuing our own desires, allowing those desires that are corrupted to drive decisions, driving us further and further away from God into an eternal judgment. That's the problem. And that's why so often when we pray, because sin has corrupted us in our relationship with God, we offer empty words to an empty heaven, meaning we believe that God is not hearing and God is not listening. And so what is the answer? How do we bridge this gap where sin has separated us from God? And so, yeah, there may not be any atheists in the foxhole, but we certainly don't believe that God's really there and really hears and really cares. Well, let's jump back into this passage because we got to give you, I'm going to give you the background to what happened. So when they were in the courtroom and they're being threatened this is what they speak up and say. Imagine this. Let me talk about boldness. They, this is what they say. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven. They're talking about Jesus. They're telling the whole courtroom. Let me tell you something. There's, there is salvation in no one else, in nothing else. There is no other name except Jesus under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You, you can kill us, but you can't take our lives. You can destroy us, but you can't, you can't rob us of eternity. It doesn't matter what you do to us. There is no other name under heaven given to anyone that will save them except the name of Jesus Christ. These guys, they got guts. And so then this is what happens. So the, the court, they, they kick the guys out and they're like, we need to talk about this. They come back in and they say this. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. 
So they get him back there and they're like, hey, you need to stop talking about Jesus. Don't tell anyone else about Jesus. So what they do is they walk out and they get together and they pray in the name of Jesus. How? Because they understood what Jesus had done for them. They understood that you and I are far from God because sin separates us from relationship with God. But they also understood that God pursued us in our sin. He was unwilling to allow our betrayal and the lie that we believed that God did not want what was best for us to get in the way of his love for us. So he pursued us so much that Jesus was willing to take our sin suffering, our sin guilt, our sin shame, our sin judgment on himself so that when he died, he died in our place for our sin, absorbing our judgment so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of their sins, shame and guilt removed. Please don't let me, I'm not just saying that quick to get by this. When you understand this, you understand that you and I are not loved by God because of anything we've done. We, you, that means we universally accept that every one of us come to God as sinners saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That means we simply all accept the fact that every one of us have to repent. Right? You, me, every one of us. Every one of us has sinned. Every one of us were separated from God. Every one of us have a sin instinct that pushes us away from God. But God pursued us and God loved us and Jesus gave his life for us. But Jesus not only died, he rose again from the dead and in his resurrection, he conquers death. He frees us from the, uh, from the eternal judgment of sin so that we now know that life doesn't end in death, but death ends in eternal life. Now you know that through faith in Jesus Christ, God's arms are open wide to you and he is saying, welcome home, friend. He's, he's inviting you to himself as a child and he responds to your prayers as a loving father would to a child that is desperate. See, that changes the whole relationship. Suddenly, it is no longer about rituals and religion. It is about relationship. And so stop letting your prayers be rituals toward religion and turn them into relationship, a conversation with a God that knows you and loves you and wants to be with you and in you. Now, let's jump back into this prayer. And let's learn a few principles about how to pray, believing that God actually hears when we pray. All right? So here's, here's their prayer. Here you go, right? So we read a little bit to you, but let's just read it again. They raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea. There's a point here. And the point is this. If you're going to pray, believing that God actually hears, then you keep prayer personal. Don't make it a formula. Don't make it generic. You don't need to borrow other people's prayers. You don't need to just memorize and recite things. Keep prayer personal. Those of you that are in a romantic relationship, particularly those of you that are married and maybe you've been married a long time, imagine your conversations with your spouse sounded like your prayer life. If the only conversations I had with my wife were recitations of requests and little formulaic statements, I don't think our relationship would have survived 20 years of marriage. And we've been together over 25 years since we started dating. Oh, thank you. Yeah, clap, my, my, clap for my wife. 
she gets all of that. Um, but you, you, but you're, you're, I think you're tracking what I'm saying, right? Like if, it's, if, it, if we believe that God hears and we have to keep it personal, what did they do in that moment when they prayed? They said, Lord God of heaven, the maker of the heavens and the earth and the seas. God, here's what they were doing. They said, we are not praying to a nameless, faceless, unknowable God of any or many religions. These aren't just words thrown up to the sky. It's not just, God, we don't know who you are. We don't know where you are. We don't know what religion you are. No, no, no. They were praying to a, they were praying a personal prayer to a personal, knowable, loving God that they saw as their father and as a friend. And as a result, they knew that they could go to God, call him by name, and pray in the name of Jesus. It was a personal relationship. They weren't just generically praying. They weren't just offering a memorized prayer that they heard when they were a child. They went to God and said, God, we know you. We know who you are. We know your name. We know what you've done in the past. We know that you are creator. We know that you are all powerful. We know that when we call out to you, that you respond to us. Now, I want you to think about this. For me, I've got a whole slew of kids. And so I'm used to this. There are days when I just hear, daddy, 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 daddy. And I'm like, enough. Can you wait a moment? This, today, I woke up to my name being screamed because one of our kids threw a toy at the other one and hit him right in the head. And I heard, Patrick! And I jumped up, came running down the stairs as fast as I could. There's something amazing about the names because name implies relationship, right? Some of the other, some other little kids yelling, daddy, daddy, daddy. I'm not turning around. I got enough problems. All right? I got enough kids calling my name, right? And there's, right? So you follow me, right? You call my name in my home. If I hear the name Patrick, there's only one person in the whole house that calls me Patrick. And if I hear Patrick, especially if it's that kind of a cry, I go running fast. They knew the name that's above every name. And he responds when those that are intimate with him cry out to him. And when somebody cries out, daddy, in my home, now there's half the time, I'm like, enough. I don't want to hear it. Right? And so it's like, daddy, daddy, daddy. I'm like, I've already answered you 15 times. Okay, but I respond in a way that I'm not going to respond to anybody else because I have intimate relationship. They know that daddy wants what's best for them. And they know that daddy loves them and cares for them. They know that daddy would give everything for them because I care more about them than myself. And so as a result, there are times when they come and they kind of harass me a little bit because they're hoping that they can get something that they don't really know, they don't really believe they're gonna get. But then there are times when they ask me things that they know I want to give them. And when they ask for those kind of things, oh, there's no, there's no concern. There's a tremendous amount of confidence one of my girls says to me, Daddy, can I make you a cup of coffee? <laughs> yeah! Daddy, can I make you bacon? What? It's <laughs> the greatest moment of life when your kids are willing to ask you, Daddy, can I make you bacon? Like, I, I tell them, like, you don't even have to ask anymore. The moment you think you want to make me bacon, just make me bacon. <laughs> oh, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. And when you cry out, Heavenly Father, you don't think that he comes running? Oh, sometimes you ask things you know better than to ask. 
And so you're a little timid, God, I don't know. But man, if you ask God, you want me to make you bacon? Now you get where I'm going, right? So follow me here. What the issue is that we don't spend enough time with God to know the heart of God. And so we ask things that are outside of alignment with the will of God. And then we wonder whether he's going to do it. The more time you spend in relationship with God, the more confidence you have that when you pray, God hears and responds. And so you and I, when we begin to be personal with God, we begin to bear our heart and share our heart with God. He knows us. And you know what happens? We begin to know him. And when you know him, your heart gets aligned with the heart of God so that when you pray, you pray with confidence, believing that what you've prayed has been heard and God is ready to respond. You and I need to start praying the kind of things, hey God, you want me to make you a cup of coffee? Well, I can tell you the things that God quickly responds to. He wants us to pray prayers that we know are aligned with his desires and his will. God, do you want me to love my spouse better? God's up there going, are you kidding me? You, do you want me to forgive? Do you want me to give? Do you want me to serve? God's up in heaven going, you're asking me if you want me to make bacon, if I want you to make bacon? Yes! See, and suddenly we begin become more courageous and bolder, and our prayers are personal and intimate. One of the most radical things that happened to me and I, I haven't shared this. I've kind of kept this pretty close to myself, but I felt like because of what I was preaching, it just made sense. One of the most significant things that happened for me when I was away on sabbatical was I realized how much of my prayer time was consumed with asking God for stuff because I pray for you and I pray for our church. And every time I go on a jog and I jog as much as I can, I am praying for the houses I jog by. I am praying for the communities I jog through. I am praying for our cities. Every time I'm driving, I have, I try to keep on my mind uh, praying for our communities and our cities. And so what I discovered though is how much of the bandwidth of my prayer time is spent praying for. And I was going on sabbatical and I was gonna be totally out of touch of everything going on. And I'm sorry to admit it, but I didn't want my whole time spent just praying a list of prayers. And, this, and something powerful began to happen in my prayer time. I started going, God, I, I don't have a whole lot of things to ask for. I just want to talk to you. I felt so deeply challenged that I needed to just fall back in love with just knowing God and just loving him keeping it personal with him. God, I, I love you today. What an amazing sunrise, amazing sunset. God, I just want to tell you thank you for your love for me. Thank you for how good you are to me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for life itself. And, and just began, what I discovered was how much I love God and how grateful I am for who God is and what he's done. And I, I discovered that you can fill your prayer time with gratitude and worship and love and gaining the heart of God. And then something powerful begins to happen. Let's jump back in. Listen to the rest of their prayer. So they pray that. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I don't know about you, but if I was getting threatened by a political party, if I was getting threatened by the government to shut up and stop talking about Jesus, it would be really hard for me to go home and say, God, you know their threats. Now would you give me great boldness to talk about you more and get up and preach one more time? Would you do something supernatural through me? Would your hand be stretched through my hands so that signs and wonders are done so that no one can deny that you are the God? 
God. That's a crazy prayer. That's a dangerous prayer. That's a risky prayer because what if God actually answered that? My challenge to you, when you begin to pray believing that God actually hears, you pray boldly. You pray bold, radical, life-changing, community-changing, world-changing prayers. The first thing they prayed in their prayer was this. They prayed, God, you hear their threats. So if you're going to pray bold, you got to go to God and say, God, you see what's going on here. And what they did was they gave God the situation. They gave God their fear. They gave God their doubt. They gave God their worries. They gave God the threats against them. They said, God, it's in your hands. This is not, it's not against us. It's against you. And so we give you the situation because we put ourselves in your hands. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather put my life and my situation and my desperation and the threats against me into the hands of God and let him deal with it. And so when you put the situation in the hands of God, then you begin to pray like they prayed. They said, Lord, grant to your servants great boldness. So they prayed for boldness and courage. What? They get threatened and they say, God, we just need a little more boldness because those threats are intimidating us. I'm saying, God, protect me from their threats. I'm saying, God, make them shut their mouths of their threats. I'm saying, God, I'm scared of their threats. And they're like, God, you see exactly what's going on. Now give us more courage so we can go back out and do the thing you've called us to do. And then they say, not only that, they're like, God, stretch out your hand to us so that miraculous signs and wonders are done through us. Here's what they did. They began to pray dangerous, bold prayers. And part of the bold prayer was for boldness. Let's get to that in just a moment. Bold prayers. Look, here's what the enemy of your life wants you to do. He wants you either to not pray at all, number one. If you're gonna pray, he wants you to pray not believing that God actually hears. We've already dealt with that. Or he wants you to spend your time consumed with whiny, wimpy prayers. Now, I've already told you, God hears. God wants you to give every detail, every personal aspect of your life to him. But at some point, let's stop repenting, uh, using our whole prayer time just to repent. Let's not spend our whole time worrying before God. Let's not spend all of our time telling God all the little tiny things that are going on in our life. At some point, get through that. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying get past it and then get into your prayer time with God and say, all right, God, now you see what's going on in our city. You see what's going on in my home. You see what's going on in my workplace. You see what's going on in the news. And God, I'm just saying, would you give me a little bit of boldness to speak up and speak your name and speak your word into that situation? Would you stretch out your hand to do miraculous things through my life? Would you give me the power to be an influencer in the world that is broken and desperate around me? God, I don't just want to pray big things. I want to become someone that you do big things through. That's a risky, dangerous prayer. Here's the deal. Would you and I begin to pray the kind of prayers that actually are dangerous and scary the moment they come out of your mouth, the moment they cross your mind, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, what if God actually does that? They're specific, they're clear, they're scary, and if God answered them, you would be scared. Let's pray the kind of prayers that if they actually got answered, it would make a difference for history. Pray the kind of prayers that would change your marriage and change your home and change your kids. Pray the kind of prayers that will transform your neighborhood, transform a city, transform a nation. Let's pray for our, our, our nation. Let's pray for our politics. Let's pray for our president. Let's pray for the nations across the globe. Let's, here's what prayer has done throughout history. Open up your Bible and begin to read. Prayer has raised the dead. Prayer has healed the 
sick. It has given sight to the blind. Prayer has given strength to lame legs. Prayer has stopped the sun from crossing the horizon. Prayer has stopped storms in the tracks. Prayer has brought rain. It has stopped rain. Prayer has opened waters wide so people can walk through on dry ground. Prayer has stopped nations from coming against nations. Prayer has brought food to hungry people. Prayer has got brought comfort to the dying and hope to the sick. Maybe, just maybe, we need to learn to pray. What did they do? Well, let's jump into one more little verse. If you guys jump in for Acts chapter four, the very end, this is how the whole story concludes in this moment. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. God made it known. Maybe right now you're feeling a little shaky inside of you. A little, your world is getting shaken up a little bit. Your prayer life is getting shaken up. Where they were meeting began to shake. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word with, of God with boldly. They prayed for boldness and they got boldness. And then they went out and acted boldly. My challenge to you is simply this. After you pray, get out and be the response of God into the situation God you're praying about. Don't just pray for boldness, live boldly. So now, pause for a moment. Here's what I want you to do right now. Each of us, this is a moment, a moment to pray. Would you, would you dare to ask God a dangerous thing? For some of you, the most powerful prayer you could pray right now is for a personal relationship with him. Jesus, I believe in you and I'm inviting your spirit into my life to forgive me of sin and give me new life. But others of you, if you believe in Jesus by faith, it's time for you to start stepping into a bold, dangerous kind of lifestyle prayer, believing that God actually hears when you pray. So take a moment right now. Each of our campuses, would you take a moment and would you begin to pray? And let's believe that God hears when you pray. And when you get to amen, let's live it. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.